Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of Game Week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hello and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Josh. I mean, after spending a romantic Valentine's Day with you in the basement (laughs) of Legends Bar watching some tremendous uh, football games over the weekend, I'm feeling very satisfied. That's true. We got one great match, one fascinating match. And one kind of bad match with an interesting result, I think, is uh, is, is the. I'm trying to place in my mind which 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 game you're you're speaking about in each regard. I, I think thought, I know. I thought that yeah, I thought that we'll get into this later. But I, I thought the Man City Tottenham match was a was a not particularly good match. That that the end result is very fascinating for what happens with the league the rest of the year. Um, but I didn't think that I didn't really enjoy watching that match. Maybe it's because I've been drinking for like six hours starting at <laughs> six thirty in the morning. I'm not sure. Yeah, that that compounded with the fact that you had Captain Aguero and you really needed some Aguero to do something to overtake me in our head to head. That's true, but I would like to think that I'm objective enough that I can I can watch a match and say this is not a very fun match. And did you think that was a good I mean, did you think that were you entertained by Man City Tottenham? Uh that's a good question. I thought that I'm bad, thinking about bad. it now and I, I can I could barely remember anything that happened apart from I like the goals. It was, all, it was all contested in the midfield. I yeah. mean, I was I came away impressed with Tottenham's defense. I will say that much. Yeah, the Spurs Spurs were just so organized, and mm-hmm. uh, City didn't offer anything. Which, um, yeah, we we'll, we'll certainly get into that a little bit more. But uh, on a personal level, uh, my game weeks was somehow redeemed. I don't even know how it was redeemed. It was redeemed by one player, Mesut Ozil, who ended up with a last-minute assist. And as we see time and time again, he miraculously collects all three bonus points Yeah, uh, it was, for just delivering on one assist. It really showed how, how, how central the fantasy game is to my experience watching soccer because <laughs> um, – I am an Arsenal supporter, and you know they score this last-minute kick to, you know, to win the game. Uh, you know, last play of the game, basically. Um, and because I don't have Ozil, and you do, and I knew he'd be on three bonus points as soon as that as soon as that ball went in. Uh, it was a little bittersweet for me. I couldn't really celebrate because I knew that <laughs> I was now in trouble in our weekly head-to-head match, and uh, I was very. And I also knew that. 
because everyone in the league owns Ozil except for me. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, almost literally everyone of the 3.5 million players owns Mesut Ozil. rank was going to suffer as well. It was quite the picture because right behind you was a guy, was an old fat guy in a, in a bird camp jersey losing his absolute mind. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we and were, you were you were you were running through all the uh, machinations of how this impacted your FPL team. I did. Yeah, I went to a new PLA.net or whatever that whatever that like tracking website is, and as soon as I saw three bonus points, I was like, oh god, I'm I'm screwed. Yeah, but uh, but day one of this game week was an absolute horror show for me. So David De Gea loses his clean sheet and ends up getting what is one of the more dubious own goals we've seen. I mean, I guess technically. You can see uh, how he does put it into his own net, but that ball's, it was a tough one to swallow. It was very dubious. Yeah, I really felt like um, Anthony Martial was was as culpable as, as De Gea was for that, for that going. Yeah, he basically I mean, maybe hit you, it into, he hit it into, it ricocheted off De Gea. <laughs> I guess Martial's clearance isn't on target. So therefore, De Gea yeah, puts guess, it in. Yeah, I guess so, someone. Has, I guess they, the the goal has to go to somebody, right? And yeah. so I guess that's how it works out. Yeah. So it, it was that coupled with um, Everton's performance against West West Brom. I made a last minute call, setting my team on Friday night to go ahead and uh, captain Lukaku, which I, I wouldn't qualify that as a maverick move. Um, but I did. I did know that you had traded Lukaku for Giroud. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to cover his points, and you you had to believe how terrible West Brom has looked over the last month or so. That an Everton playing at home, being somewhat high flying of late, they were yeah. going to score goals. Yeah, I mean, they, and they lost another. They lost Macaulay in their FA Cup replay at midweek. So it, it definitely, I, I was definitely a little nervous when I saw that uh, you had captain Lukaku. I mean, I I had Barkley, so I felt like I had a little bit of coverage in that match, but I was definitely. Definitely a little nervous. As it turns out, that was probably the least enjoyable of the of, of the Saturday afternoon fixtures to watch. I thought that um, um, yeah. in the end, West West Ham uh, Norwich was definitely the the uh, you know the kind of highlight match of that uh, during that time. It was just so yeah. wide open. It was really uh, even the even in the first half, like all the goals were scored. It was a two two draw. All the goals were scored in the second half, but even the first half was just all over the. I mean, it was completely open match. I agree. I was surfing around that entire second half of that. Um middle round of fixtures trying to because I was sick and tired of watching Jonas Olsen just drape himself all over Lukaku there came a point where you realized the refs were not going to call any fouls on Lukaku in the box and Everton just wasn't going to score it was like full on Tony Pulis (laughs) there was a moment around the 60th minute mark I totally agree where you're just like I mean I I, I stopped watching the match because I just thought there's there's no way that Everton's going to score in this match it's just it's just there's something about the way they looked in that match which is really surprising coming off that three nothing uh, defeat or I mean that three nothing victory in in Stoke last week you thought okay like they finally they figured something out they've turned it on I think that was three clean sheets in a row for them and uh, kind of like right back to the drawing board. It just really, um, really disappointing performance for Everton. They seemed a little surprised at how West Brom was playing. Everton did. And they, they just had no ideas as to how to crack that defense. But I was really worried because of the amount of suffocation that they were giving to Lukaku. It, it really favored Ross Barkley. He thought he might die. I thought he might die. I thought he might just, <laughs> uh, you know, run out of air. Asphyxiation, yeah. <laughs> Um, you, so, you you had Ross Barkley in the hole, and he had so much space because uh, West Brom was sitting back so much. Yeah, I thought for sure one of his uh, many thirty yard attempts was going to go into the top corner. Yeah, and one went off the inside post, and he, he didn't score. It was it was actually it was interesting because that was the even it was an even hundred times this season that a player on my fantasy team has hit the inside post and not scored. What luck! So, yeah, I know. It was, it was a, it's nice. It was a nice milestone to hit. I knew I'd get there eventually, and now it's an even hundred. Yeah. So I, I guess things for me ultimately <laughs> turned around uh, with Payet getting thirteen points, then a goal from Kane and Ozil coming through with eight. That put me up to fifty-one points. Yeah, uh, the, beating, beating the average by ten. It was an interesting thing about the Payet goals. But, you know, he sort of it's. But, you know, if you're on, tw- you know, if you're, if you're following fantasy accounts on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, it, it feels like Pyatt is owned by a 100% of the managers in the league. But I think as of, as of Saturday, he was owned by something like 22.5%. So him scoring 13 points is actually huge for, you know, anybody who anybody who had him. Uh, you know, so yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's at still, 23.2% ownership right now. 
Yeah, so a, a pretty significant differential still. Yeah, and I would credit that with me getting my first green arrow in some time. I actually got all green arrows except for the Hail Cheaters Super League, where I dropped down to 207. Yeah. Well, we added a ton of managers this week, so thank you for continuing to join. And on that note, Brandon, I am yes. going to transition to the Hail Cheaters Super League. Oh, you're not going to tell us what your point total was? It was uh, three. It was three or four less than yours. It was just a little, a little bit less. Uh, okay, I actually, sure. I, I had green arrows. I think everywhere but the uh, hail uh, cheater super league as well. You know, finally, you know, I'm like my, my numbers are finally starting to approach respectability. But I think for me, uh, this is the week that showed me. I just, I just have to really open up by my team now, and I just, I just have to play differential captains and and just really go for it because I really don't care if I finish in the two million. You know, it just doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, I've I finished very high before, and I even had a season where I finished pretty low uh, a couple years ago. So overall rank to me isn't that important. Um, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather really go for it, really push the differentials, and if I, if that if that means I finish in last place in some leagues, that doesn't really bother me because you know I mean we have twelve weeks left and the slates wiped clean after this, so who cares? You know, I mean I'm <laughs> not, I'm not a, I mean I'm, I'm about, in our in our mini league, you know our actual pay like moneyed, you know everyone puts in uh, you know pretty an I mean, indeterminate it's, it's amount of money indeterminate amount of money. Uh, in that one, I am uh, I'm about 200 points behind. Uh, I think that Daniel, uh, a friend of ours who's, who's leading that league, I think he's in the top 1,000 overall, or r- right around there. Yeah, around 2,000, I think. Yeah, so I'm not going to make up 900,000 spots in the next uh, uh, in the next 12 weeks. So the, you know, if, that's, if if I probably can't finish first or second in that league, then I might as well just just really crank it open and just and just see what can happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I fear I fear you doing that because I have definitely gone full on template. You look at my team, it's like Ozil, Mars, Payet, Ali, Lukaku, Aguero, Kane. Uh, anybody with the proper differential week in, week out can just destroy all the competition. So uh, yeah. I wish you good luck. Yeah, it's sort of feast or famine with that approach, but it's just more fun. I yeah. mean, I don't know what the fun would be for me to have a template team the next 12 weeks and and just and just keep picking up little red arrows. I mean, I, I've had green arrows. I think five of the last six weeks, and you know, all told, I've only gone up about five hundred thousand spots. You know, yeah. uh, which is not insubstantial, but it's still not. You know, it's it's sixty thousand here, seventy thousand. You know, it's just it's not it's not that sexy. You know, I want <laughs> I want I want boomer bust. I have the unsexiest goal every season. Uh, it's less overall rank, more overall points. I my threshold is two thousand. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to break two thousand points every season, and I'm I'm really worried about whether or not I can do that this season. Because what I'm at one thousand three hundred and seventy three right now, so it's going to be tight. So you need about about six hundred and twenty points over the last twelve game weeks. I I, I think that's doable. Yeah. That's that's less than sixty a game week. Yeah, and, th- and that's what's in double game weeks coming up, too. So, you know, I think that is true. That is yeah. true. All right. I won't hold you up anymore, Josh. Let's get to the Hail Cheater Super League. Uh, so Hail Cheater Super League, Brandon, pretty stable top 10, I would say, overall. Uh, Owen O'Keefe still in first, 69 points. And uh, as you were mentioning to me offline a moment ago, he captained uh, Pyatt, which was definitely the smart, smart move there. Yeah, I, I hesitate to call it Maverick, but, um, but it was obviously the most... Um, point-getting captaincy choice this week. I mean, people were favoring Aguero and Lukaku, and last week we were mentioning that Payet was our uh, vice-captain choice with the bullet. In the end, neither of us had the courage of our convictions, and we both put the vice armband on another <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know, I know. And in fact, I actually thought that I had put it on Payet, and uh, I was surprised when I saw it was on uh, Giroux uh, on Saturday morning. I thought, well, when did I do that? Uh, was I a little drunk last night, and I moved it over to him? Um, so well, good. I mean, good, good for you, Owen. That was a great move, killer move. Yeah, yeah, great move. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, against that Norwich defense, and you know, we're going to talk about this in a, in a little bit. But you know, it's really worth you know considering whether you want to just follow the Norwich defense around now and just and just captain anyone who plays them because I think uh, that could that could work out pretty well for you, you know, in general. Uh, okay, so uh, Calvin Chan is in second. Higher Ray for United FC. Is that a, is it a name change for Calvin Chan? I feel like that's a new name. I, yeah, we haven't seen that name before. I don't know if that's a reference to Star of Goodfellas, Ray Liotta. We're looking to hire Ray Liotta to be the coach for. Could be for, or Ray. Uh, what's the who's that La league announcer? Ray. Um, oh, Ray, Ray Hudson? Hudson. Maybe could be could be Ray Hudson or perhaps the uh, great balladeer Ray La Montaigne or the boxer Sugar Ray Leonard. 
there's so many a lot of different options <laughs> this is like a locked room mystery we have to figure out <laughs> which ray he's talking about uh keep calm and climb up is up to third that's uh muhammad al kiasi uh valhalla wolves is in fifth or is in fourth excuse me that's uh Keddie brunvold uh, Melvin United in fifth. Uh, Melvin Mbazi. Uh, IX Treesdown is in sixth. That's Colin Bothwell. Uh, Colin B. Getting the green arrow. Keep it up, man. Uh, Gamchester United. Graham McDonald is in uh, seventh. He's been asking us a lot of good questions on the uh, on the Twitters. Uh, Isla Nubumbu. Gare Meld is on uh, eighth spot. Kaiser Burs. No, actually, you just say this one because I can. Never Kaiser Burslotten FC. Leith Kasab. Thank you. And take a load off money. Sean Kamiski is in 10th. Our good friend Sushant Garg has dropped out of the top 10 for the first time in quite some time. So uh, our, th- yeah. our thoughts are with you, Sushant. Keep- our, th- our thoughts and prayers are with you. Yeah. Let I'll- us know you're okay, at least. Send yeah. us a message. And we, yeah, both of us dropped a little bit uh, in, the, in the Hail Cheater Super League this week. I think because we just, we added a ton of people. So I, I don't really, I'm really sure if... Um, uh, what inspired that? But uh, you're, you're, anyone is welcome to to join um, uh, any given week. You can even join in Game Week 37 if you want. Why not? We, go for it. Bring all your don't. points with you. We wel- we welcome all kinds. Yeah, just go to alwayscheating.com. There's an auto-join link or the code is on our Twitter feed and um, all, all those other places. Uh, all right. So let's move on. Okay, so a quick uh, bit of news, Brandon. A uh, bit of news and a little review. Uh, okay. We this week we're going to announce a new poll. Uh, as some of you longtime listeners may recall, we did a one third season poll. Um, that was around, I think it was after week 12, week 12 or week 13, we did a poll. Yeah, sometime uh, in mid November. And uh, we like to do these polls, obviously, at the third way marks. And this week it's going to work out for us because, of course, there are no games next weekend. So listen, we need a little extra content for the Always Cheating podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's let's like let's lay our cards on the table. We need something to talk about <laughs> next week. So we're going to uh, we'll release the poll uh, later this week. Uh, we'll uh, we'll update Facebook, Twitter, and our website when everything is ready to go. And uh, you can you can vote on um, well lots of different things. If you, if you have any suggestions for. Uh, for poll topics, uh, please uh, feel free to uh, post them on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, we will take your suggestions uh, to heart. But Brandon, before we uh, just just to remind people of uh, the results from last from the one third season poll, because some of this is sort of interesting. It is uh, interesting in hindsight. I mean, God, this poll seems like ages ago now. But yeah, um, uh, sometimes in some of these uh, questions, so much has changed, and in other questions. So much has not changed. <laughs> yeah, uh, very. That's very elegantly phrased, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I should be running for political office for my ability to to say everything by saying nothing at all. In our last poll, at the one third season mark, the FPL MVP was uh, Jamie Vardy with fifty four point five percent. Mares was in second with forty uh, percent, and Mesut Ozil way down in third with a percentage that's so low I can't even pull it up on the little chart that I did. <laughs> he's here. got a he's got a very small fraction of the pie. He he did beat <laughs> out Alexander Kolarov, who has yes. uh, definitely fallen by the wayside. He finished last in the poll, but then there is Odia Nagalo. Yeah, um, receiving a total of five votes. Yeah, yeah, tough, t- tougher old Gallo, especially we'll get to him in a moment. So, uh, best new player, uh, 2015-2016 season. Uh, Payet dominated this with almost 80% of the vote. Uh, poor Gallo actually finished third in this poll. And uh, I think if we did this poll again, uh, which maybe we will at the two-thirds season mark, I think Gallo may rank a little bit higher because, um, well, for one thing, Payet was up for about 10 weeks. But uh, Gallo really went in a, a great run of form, uh, really right around the time this poll went out. Yeah, uh, I think he, he he kind of started it, and then it just it did kind of kind of really hasn't stopped the whole year. I mean, I guess the last uh, few game weeks uh, he's fallen off a little bit, but you know he still had a goal and an assist just two weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah, he's not on red hot game to game form. But if you look at who finished above him, it was just by one vote, and it was Kevin De Bruyne. And of course, now we've all forgotten about dear old KDB with his um, <laughs> terrible muscle injury. Poor KDB. Uh, all right, we'll skip. Uh, just as a reminder, the most improbable FPL moment was the complete collapse of Chelsea's fantasy assets, which uh-huh. took fifty three point four percent of the vote. Uh, still, basically true. I guess a little less true uh, the last couple of weeks as as Costa and Willian and even the defenders have, have kind of stepped up. Yeah, they've become differentials in a sense if they can keep up their current vein of form. 
Yeah. Uh, biggest disappointment. Uh, literally every player on Chelsea beat out Eden Hazard. Uh, <laughs> 44% to 41%. Uh, I think if we did this over again, Eden Hazard would, would take so- somewhere close to 100% of the vote. I think, uh, I guess Memphis Depay might be up there too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel more, I have more feelings about Memphis Depay than Eden Hazard. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, part of it, Memphis just doesn't seem like a. He's done some things that are very frustrating, including uh, including losing his marker in the uh, Man U Chelsea game just two weeks ago, and uh, yeah, cost, costing you a clean sheet. In fact, yeah, it cost me a clean sheet in that head to head matchup. But, uh, and, and it's it's also like, well, Memphis Depay, what have you ever done? You could look at Hazard and say, well, you um, were the MVP of Chelsea's campaign. A league-winning campaign last season, so Depay really hasn't done anything for us. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like he's not going to because he's he's really lost his spot to Jesse Lingard. And uh, I I wonder if he'll be gone at the end of the season. I I you know I wonder if um you know if they bring in Mourinho or, or whoever they end up bringing in. I, I don't think that we'll see Van Hall next year if um if they if they try to make it work with Depay because he's he's clearly talented and I'm I'm sure he's not a bad guy. You know, sure. Just like, I, I just hope he knows Mandarin because the Chinese Super <laughs> League is going to be a great home for him one day. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, so let's get to a couple of a couple updates from this poll. Uh, we asked who will be the overall points leader at the two third season mark. And so basically, who's going to be the overall leader now? Right, and uh, that, so here we are, two third season mark. Uh, Twelve weeks to go, twenty six played. Uh, the winner of that poll was Sergio Aguero. Uh, with twenty seven point seven percent, it was a pretty tight poll. Uh, yeah, this is probably poll, our pretty um, our most even poll result across the entire poll. It is a very attractive pie. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, the red piece in this pie was Jamie Vardy, who finished second with twenty about twenty five percent of the vote. Uh-huh. Uh, and then split split behind them was uh, Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku, and other. And I can't believe this in hindsight that we didn't have Mesut Ozil even as one of the as one of the options. Um, kind of yeah. I guess I guess we all felt that there was no way he could. Well, it's like keep it up, keep up his consistency of serving assists. There's just something unsexy about your whole game being delivering assists. You're you're inclined to vote for for goal scorers in a poll like this. Yeah, ex- yeah, I, I suppose that is true. So. Um, and his remarkable consistency. I mean, just you know, even you know, we saw it in, in this last game week. I mean, if he if he gets an assist, he he gets three three points most of the time. Yeah, uh, three bonus points. So um, we're at the two thirds season mark. Uh, just to quickly run through the actual top five. Uh, and interestingly enough, the the number one and number three we did not even have in the poll. Uh, Riyad Mahrez is number one overall with 184 points. How did we uh, not include him? That's a very strange. That's I'm a strange. Not sure. Maybe I just maybe I didn't take enough time to put this poll together. <laughs> I, I remember very clearly doing it on a Sunday afternoon in about 2 hours. So maybe yeah. I'll try I'll spend a little more time this time. Uh, in second place was Jamie Vardy, uh, 21 points below Mares uh, with 163. Uh, just below him is Mesut Ozil with 156. In fourth place, uh, just like he's fourth place in the poll is uh, Lukaku. Uh, who finished? Who was at? Who was at 153 points? And uh, in fifth is Odian Agallo, uh, who just has been rolling all year. Agallo, he's been rolling like a. Ro- <laughs> I don't know why I said like a river. I, like I had somewhere. I, I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, <laughs> Agallo is in fifth. So we didn't have one, three, or five in our poll. And the uh, the person who the most people thought would be the overall points leader, Sergio Aguero, is not even in the top five overall. Now, granted, that is because he missed about ten weeks for injury. But when you pick Sergio Aguero uh, to be the overall points leader, you have to take into account his very very spotty injury record. You're, he's guaranteed to miss at least a week of the season, uh, any given season. I got he, if you look at the overall stats, he's. He's like way down, and maybe he's twentieth or twenty fifth in yeah, overall uh, points. It's really, yeah, it's 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 been tough for basically uh, the one must own player of the season. It's it's um it's it's baffling to see how far down he is. Yeah, it really is, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I, I think he probably still is must own. Although I, I wonder if he's maybe less of a must captain option than than we thought of him a couple weeks ago. Uh, I just wonder, you know, without without De Bruyne with with Yaya Torre playing like he's about seventy five years old, uh, <laughs> it might be time to keep him on your team, but but captain some other options. 
Okay, so uh, player most likely to become a top fantasy asset. The the winner of that poll was Eden Hazard. <laughs> Uh, and in second place was Jordan Henderson. Uh, I'll, re- I'll reserve my laughter for the uh, last for when you when you read all of the names. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then tied below that were uh, well, okay. So then we had Diego Costa in third, who was actually acquitted himself reasonably well of this lot, and then Memphis Depay and Matt Ritchie uh, finished uh, fourth and fifth in this poll. So we really, I mean, it it speaks to what a what a how off a lot of the so-called pundits were this year. And I'm, I, I cringed at the, at the idea that we're even pundits, but whatever, whatever we are, Brandon, uh, <laughs> certainly, uh, I, I thought that Hazard and Depay were, th- those, th- those were two of the first players I put on my fantasy team this year. Yeah. And I, I'm my punt on Jordan Henderson on three or four weeks ago. I feel somewhat vindicated, vindicated looking at this poll at how many, Others out there listening to the Always Cheating Pod had some faith that Hendo would would deliver at some point this season. Yeah, it just has not happened. So the uh, the winner in this poll is uh, Diego Costa with 102 points. Uh, Matt Ritchie has 77. Hazard is at 56, which is actually a little higher than I would have expected. Uh, Henderson is at 50, although he's been injured for about 10 weeks. And Memphis Depay, who is getting one-pointers like they're going out of style, is in fifth with 47 points. <laughs> yeah, looking at Depay with uh, 47 points, my only assumption is that he's played 47 games. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe they're counting uh, some Capital One Cup matches or something. Yeah, sure, uh, some U, U21 of, appearances. Yeah, it's I, it, although weirdly, in the Champions League, he has like eight goals. So I, I don't really understand that. Uh, he's been cleaning up in the Champions League all year. Uh, okay, so the next, uh, just to run through the last two of these, uh, underrated fantasy assets. The overwhelming leader in this poll was uh, Dusan Tadic with 45% of the vote. In second was um, uh, was Gomez, Rila Gomez on Watford. Uh, third was Wijnaldum. Arona, Arunda Kone uh, was in fourth. And Scott Dan <laughs> was in fifth. Way Con- down at the bottom. Uh, uh, Runa Kone has done a, a full 180 and now is uh, being completely brutalized on the Hail Cheaters Twitter feed. <laughs> it's true. I I, I have to I stick the knife in it and Kone every chance. I I don't know why he, he just drives me crazy. I I just he, he's a really poor finisher. I mean, yeah. But the only thing you really require of a striker is that they they finish well, right? Yeah. I mean, it, Especially a striker who's not very tall, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, someone like Olivier Giroud can get away with not scoring goals, not finishing because you know he heads the ball down so well. Um, you saw it in that Arsenal match, uh, the in the, the Arsenal Leicester match. I mean, it's almost like he looks to head the ball down more than he looks to score at this point. I'll tell uh, you, I am I am entirely suspicious of anyone who sticks with a funky hairstyle for too long. Listen, uh-huh. these guys—they're professional athletes. They live a weird, wild life. They can have their funky haircuts, but if you had the same funky haircut for like years and years, I don't even Kone, know if you're talking. Are you talking about Kone or Giroux right now? They, I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking specifically about Kone. Okay. I feel like Giroux has changed it up just enough. Yeah, he's but got Kone the, with that bleach like blonde the, hair. Yeah, that's right. I, I didn't like when when Giroux had the Macklemore. That didn't really work for me. So let's get to the uh, the results at the two third season mark. Uh, Wijnaldum is in first in the 123. Uh, very inconsistent, but occasionally explosive. Gomez is in second with 111. Testament to Watford's very solid D all year. Uh, Scott Dan in third with 106 points. Tadic in fourth, and Kone is way down in fifth with 73 points. A full, what is it? 50 points below Wijnaldum. <laughs> yeah, so Tadic is, uh, I guess we had some faith a third of the way through the season that he was finally going to break through and have a consistent starting role. And Kuman has, has gone ahead and said, no, Tadic, you're still going to get like either 65 minutes a game or 25 minutes a game. <laughs> it's your choice. Yep. Uh, and therefore, he's he's completely inessential in the game right now. Uh, he really is, and uh, you know, I, I, and they really don't need him right now. I mean, given the way their defense is performing, uh, you know, you, maybe just maybe he's, he's too much of a liability on that team. I mean, Kuman is turning into a Pula sort of guy with how much he's relying on. Granted, his defense is is incredible right now. But if you if you were Man U, wouldn't you look at Kuman as a possible replacement? I mean, I, I know. Oh, that know, would I, be that would be the final dagger in LVG's heart because you know he just despises <laughs> Kuman. So to be replaced by Kuman would be just un- I really, unfathomable. I, I really admire the way that Kuman has has really 
there's it seems like there's nothing you can throw at Kuman that he can't turn into gold. You know, it's any combination of players he seems to find he seems to find the best combination. You know, once given enough time. Yeah, and the uh, the dip in form that they had, uh, so re- such a remarkable dip midway through the season that he's been able to uh, recover. Uh, yeah, and they might they might not be in an Europa League spot now. Yeah, uh, it's definitely possible. All right, so uh, the last question was a uh, next manager to be sacked. Um, the two manager the managers that finished first and second in this poll uh, have been sacked. They didn't happen quite in the right order though. Uh, Jose Mourinho finished first with thirty nine percent of the vote. Uh, Gary Monk finished second with twenty with twenty four point five percent of the vote. I voted uh, for Gary, so I am vindicated. You did. I think Sorry, I Gary. For, I voted. I voted for Steve McLaren. So I'm still, I'm still, I'm still waiting for that to happen. So Monk Monk was uh, the first to be sacked. Uh, Mourinho followed a few weeks after that, and McLaren, Howe, and Neil are all still on their teams. Uh, I imagine. Uh, well, Neil was uh, Eddie Howe is fine. Uh, Eddie Howe is not He's going safe. anywhere. He's yeah, he's totally safe. safe. They, they could probably lose the rest of their matches and he'd still be safe. And our uh, listeners predicted as much. He got the fewest amount of votes, just 15 votes. Yeah, I think I just need – and even I think I think when I put this poll together, I was I didn't really think he he would go. But, I mean, there might have been a lot of pressure on them if they lost, you know, 10 in a row from weeks, you know, 13 to 20. It was hard to say with uh, how many injuries that Bournemouth team has had to recover from. It, yeah, because after, after Callum Wilson went down, it was really – it was not looking good. Uh, it's not looking good for them right now, to be honest. I think there's, there's, there's still definitely a threat to, to be relegated. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Alex Neal, though, and he's got to clean that defense up. And McLaren really – I mean, after that disgraceful Chelsea performance, I, I imagine he's under, under a lot of trouble. Under a lot of trouble, whatever whatever that expression is. He's, he's he, in a lot he's of trouble. A, he's in hot doo-doo. He's in hot doo-doo. <laughs> or deep doo-doo? Yeah. Hot water. Some, something yeah. like that. Uh, all right, so that that's where we are. Uh, we're going to have a new poll. We're going to put it up this week, and uh, we'll get the word out. So um, that's all I want to say about that. Let's move on to our uh, our game week review. All right, Brandon, we've got our fixtures to discuss this week. They're all the Sunday fixtures. Uh, it was his true Super Sunday. I mean, he picked the, the top four teams against each other and then throw in a Liverpool squad. Uh, squad. It's, it's an, it was an exciting round of fixtures. It was. It was. It was fun. The football factory is a great place to watch to watch soccer. And if if you're in New York and you haven't been there, I really highly recommend going because uh, it's, it's got a little something for everybody too. Like if you wanted, if like if you could come there with your family and sit upstairs and watch matches, or you can kind of go down in this basement and there are a million TVs. What we were enjoying more than the Liverpool Aston Villa matches next to us was a supporters group for Bologna. Uh-huh. Serie A, and they were playing against Udinese. And the Football Factory is so kind, and I, I don't wish to implicate them here in, <laughs> in streaming games online, but there was some sort of grainy uh, picture happening on the TV for this Bologna supporters group that kept getting kicked out like every five <laughs> minutes, and the Bologna fans had to be like, all right, uh, refresh the feed. Yeah, they were so good-natured about the the, the crummy BN Sport feed. Uh, so there's really yeah something for everybody at that place. Uh, all right, so first match Arsenal Leicester Ozil. We've already talked about him a little bit. Came through again, 94th minute. Vardy uh, Vardy came through as well. Um, very you know. So the first half was pretty was pretty pretty tetchy, uh, pretty yeah. back and forth. Uh, Peter Cech was uh, you know made a made a pretty good save on Vardy and uh, and a, a wonderful really game to watch. It was just an amazing spectator game. I couldn't agree more. Or that first half. It, it a great, a great save on Conte too. That, that might have been uh, in the early, early in the second half. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so, really, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I think um, it just reaffirmed how we felt about things in general, right? Which is that you know, Ozil is a, is it remains a must own player. Um, you know, which is, you know, he really is. He, despite the fact that I don't own him, he, he truly is a must-own player. Yeah, uh, Vardy is looking like the 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 clear favorite to captain next game week. And we have, and we now have further confirmation that he is the uh, assumed taker penalty, penalty taker for that. Yeah, exactly. Because I am now pursuing differentials, uh, I'll probably end up going Mares as captain in this match. Okay. Uh, he was taken out at the 55 minute mark, so we know he'll be well rested. Um, and uh, <laughs> what a ludicrous okay. substitution! I mean, we've we've seen Ranieri sub uh, Mares out uh, in earlier games in the season, and we've also seen him just bench Mares uh, for certain. Yeah, uh, I games. do. I do agree with you up to a point. Uh, I will say that there's there's a little after the fact. You know, the, the problem is if if Wasilewski, who is the player who. 
was subbed in for Mares doesn't foul Mesut Ozil with seconds left in the match, and he doesn't doesn't swing in that free kick, and then they don't score. Uh, it actually seems like a pretty sensible move, right? Because if you're if you're down if you're up one nothing um, playing Arsenal with you know eleven on ten on the road, um, I think you would absolutely take a one one draw, right? I, I mean, suppose, we, we, I we would be talking about how heroic their defense was if um, if 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 that last ball doesn't doesn't you know doesn't find a head. Yeah, I guess I just like challenge the philosophy of the substitution. And do you want to completely change Lester's game plan? Yeah, uh, based on that, and they they gave up the midfield where that was concerned, and they left Okazaki on the pitch who had touched the ball maybe twice. I mean, he was yeah, subbed he maybe five minutes this. later. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't I don't totally disagree with you, but it, it almost worked anyways. And actually, they they had a couple of opportunities to possibly catch Arsenal on the break. It didn't quite work out. I I, I have to admit, I, I was I found myself pulling for Leicester a little bit in this match. It was hard not to. Yeah. Uh, or not even. I really I wanted Arsenal to score, but I I I, I think I would have been happy with a draw. I just it felt so brutal the Danny Simpson thing. Um, it did. You know, it did. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess he was kind of he Screw was kind of playing. He was playing with fire. It screws some fantasy managers too, because you know Danny Simpson's been a pretty popular, uh, popular defender to bring in the last few game weeks. Uh, yep. you know, Al, Al Magico asked us a question on Twitter. You know, he says, "I'm very annoyed with Simpson's red card. Uh, is Simpson to, to Fuchs worth it, or do we do want to save the uh, free transfer for game week thirty preparation?" I think that Simpson to Fuchs is a, is a transfer worth making. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think um, you know we we know Fuchs will start. I mean, it's not like uh, anything's going to happen. On that back line, the way they've been playing the last few game weeks, and their fixtures for the next several weeks are very, very solid. Um, yeah, I mean, all all but say maybe the last three fixtures of the season, their run in is is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, because and there's really no reason to even to save it for for game week thirty because uh, there's no chance they won't be playing in game week thirty. Um, there's some FA Cup matches scheduled for that weekend, so we're going to see some open fixtures there later on. So yeah, and up, and up you to would this love point, to have Fuchs home to Newcastle in game week thirty. Yeah, and up to this point, Fuchs has scored sixteen more points than Danny Simpson has. You know, Danny Simpson didn't force his way into that lineup for yeah. a while into the season, but. Um, Fuchs's form is great. He only a, costs four point eight, so yeah. he's not going to break your budget. It's a gross transfer. I mean, no one wants to do that, right? It's just like it. It really like it just it, it doesn't feel good because it's so it's just so annoying to yeah. to have to um, you know make a like for like right. defender transfer, especially for a guy who's only out for one week. But you know, I mean, especially I don't I don't have Malmetrico's full team here, but you know, especially if he's, he's going to struggle to field a full eleven this game week, then I think you've really got to do it. Yeah. Now, what? It, let me ask you about Vardy's penalty-taking technique, since I think uh, we can also discuss whether Vardy is essential for game week 27. But he has this penalty technique that is kind of unlike a lot of other um, standard penalty takers in the league, where he doesn't, like, shimmy and try and slot it to the opposite way the goalkeeper is going. He basically just rips the ball as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, I... It takes a lot of. I mean, he, the guy obviously has a lot of confidence. So, yeah, um, yeah I love it. I mean, I, you know, Harry Kane uh, shoots a lot of penalties like that too. He he doesn't always, but he often he often goes high the way that Vardy does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those to me are like the most undefendable penalties. So if you can pull it off, then I think it's yeah. I, it's I was great. we were we were discussing with our friend Stephen who joined us for the games whether Czech was going to be able to stop that penalty if he actually went the right way. Like it was not a, a height at which Czech could have got his hands to it. Possibly, yeah. But even you know, that's assuming that he was high enough in the air to. I, I don't know. I, I think that would have been hard, no matter what. To, to yeah. stop. Okay, so is he a must own for game week twenty seven, Jamie Vardy? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think he's a must own, even if you're even if you're pursuing differentials. I think it's really you'd really be nervous about this match. I mean, I, I'm not sure he's not necessarily a must captain. I think there are some other captaincy options for the game week 27, but I, I do think, uh, you really, there's a very good chance that he scores double, that he has double figures. Um, it, it, well, if he scores double figures, that'd be amazing. If he scores 11 <laughs> times this match, <laughs> that'd really change things. But his ownership, his ownership is still super high. So, 
you know, if he does anything at all in this match and you don't have Vardy in your team, you're really going to be struggling, you know. To, yeah, to, I've, to I've actually gone ahead and already made my transfer for Jamie Vardy, for Lukaku. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Lester doesn't have an FA Cup match this coming weekend. So, I mean, he, he certainly could get injured in training, but the likelihood of him missing game week 27 is pretty slim. So I felt pretty confident just going ahead and making that change. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, okay, we have a question from Uppercut Panda who says, uh, with Arsenal looking like the title favorites, what is the best allocation of our three Arsenal spots? So basically, uh, he, he kind of goes on from there. But just to, just to sum up, do you want uh, do you want two defenders? Do you want uh, uh, two midfielders and a defender? This is assuming you want three Arsenal spots. I actually think that uh, two is probably the way to go. I think I think Ozil and one defender is probably the best allocation of Arsenal players. Uh, I think you could argue for Ozil and two defenders. Uh, yeah, there are, there are guys you know. in our private league who clean up on the weeks where Arsenal get a clean sheet because there are a lot of people in our private league that have Czech plus Bellerin, Czech plus Monreal, Czech plus Koscielny. Right. Yeah. The next four game weeks are a little tricky for them. They're, they're away to Man U and away to Tottenham uh, two of the next four weeks. Uh, they have two. They, they have two great home fixtures in between those, or, or around those, I guess. Uh, home to Swansea in game week twenty-eight, and home to West Brom in game week thirty. So I think having two, and then maybe long term, you could look at having two Arsenal defenders. Um, they're not offering a lot of attacking threat so far this season. Kind of surprising. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I know. Koscielny's scored a couple, but I think in general, it's it's a little surprising that Be- Bellerin, in particular, who seems to float a lot of really nice balls in there, um, just hasn't really. I don't know. Maybe he's picked up one assist all season. I feel like he looks a little tentative going forward, and I think that a lot of people are offering themselves to Bellerin when he gets the ball forward, and so he doesn't feel too much pressure to be putting the balls in himself. He's certainly the one unquestioned starter on this team, so I think... uh, Yeah, and Koscielny was subbed at halftime, and I I don't know. Do we have any updates on on what's going on with him yet? No idea. Okay. I think he just heard that vinyl premiered on HBO this weekend. So, <laughs> uh, oh, he had a dead leg. A um, dead leg. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was <laughs> shot with a shot with a tranquilizer dart, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically a Charlie horse. A Charlie horse, right? So I, I yeah. assume he's he's going to be ready. Well, we'll wait know too early. Ar- wait, yeah, Arsenal wait has t- an FA Cup fixture, so we'll know more then. Yeah, exactly. Way way too early to tell with with Kachelny. We were talking, you know, two weeks from now, so we'll we'll see. He's a, he's listed at seventy five percent, so he'll probably probably be okay. I, I say think I, I no I think, knowledge at all. Yeah, I tend to agree with you though that two might be enough. Because basically, the question that uh, is being asked by Uppercut Panda is: Do you want Giroud or do you want an Arsenal defender? Yeah, I, I having known Giroud for the last two weeks, I think I can. I, you know, it hasn't worked out terribly for me. Um, I picked up five points both times. We were uh, saying this while watching the match that Giroud just looks too eager to supply the ball as opposed to put it on target himself. Yeah, he was one great Peter Schmeichel save away from a goal and assist and three bonus points in this match. I mean, it was just had, a, had, yeah. Had Lester got any result from that game, that would go down as the save of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, and then one last question, uh, also from El Magico. He says, uh, am I having Sanchez on my team because I believe he's still the player he was last season when, in fact, he isn't? Uh, I think it's really more that he uh, he's just still running himself into form. Uh, I don't think he's worth owning right now because he's, he's just too expensive. Yeah. Uh, and he's looked – I mean, the last two matches he's looked – really pretty awful i mean yeah he can't get the ball to his feet his touch is terrible he doesn't look very confident at all he's not shooting on goal at all i mean i I don't know if he had a shot on goal in this match and and so we know i mean if if you look at him you know the sort of the first certainly from weeks what something like five through ten of this season uh he was he was you know he was looking for goal he was linking up really well with walcott and ozil um, and, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's not really happening for him right now, but you know, I think, um, I would not be surprised if come gaming 32 or something like that, we're all scrambling to get, uh, Alexis Sanchez into our teams. Yeah. I feel for El Magico here because there is that Aguero level fear with Alexis that even if he's out of form, he's only, he's always only one game away from becoming unhinged and scoring a hat trick. Yeah. So yeah. so you're just terrified of of getting rid of him uh, <laughs> that 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 week that he does that. 
Yeah, but it's just at that price, you know, it's just a it's just a it's a massive outlay for a player who's just not not delivering anything. Yeah, I agree, and and I would be the one dumping him too. So I don't encourage you to keep him. Yeah, just because of that fear. All right, Man City Spurs. Uh, Fascinating results, as I said before. Not a not, not a match I really enjoyed watching. Uh, <laughs> not not only because I captain Aguero this week, I missed a. I wouldn't quite say it was a sitter because it was a difficult ball, but a, a goal that he would typically score. Yeah, um, like like seven or eight times out of ten, that ball that's dropping out of the air and he beat the offside trap, he, and he just yeah. it. I think without without uh, I, the the De Bruyne effect, we're really seeing it right now, and I, I just wonder if um, the idea of Aguero as the one like the the sort of plug and manager captain every game week you don't have to think about anymore is something I think we all have to reconsider because he's just not linking up well enough with his midfielders to be a consistent goal threat. I mean, he's always you know he's always going to every few matches he's going to he's going to score a penalty, he's going to score a goal against the run of play, but it doesn't feel like. Outside of that Crystal Palace match a few weeks ago, it doesn't feel like you know he's he's just a lot of opportunities are being created for him, or he's. I, I, he actually I looks. I totally agree. He looks like he's 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 up for it, but it just, yeah, he looks a hundred percent, but he's yeah. not getting that service. But if you do look at Manchester City's upcoming fixtures, Liverpool, Villa, Norwich, Man United will of course be um, a toss up. Bournemouth, West Brom, Chelsea, Stoke. I would not be getting rid of Aguero like that. That's a really um, enticing lineup for the, of the next. Yeah. I totally agree. I'm definitely not going to drop him either. But um, but yeah, I think there are a lot are a lot of game weeks where you could look at other captain options now. Um, especially you know, as we said at the top of the podcast, you know, with 12 weeks left, it's time to be creative. You know, whether you're trying to make up some ground or. You know, I mean, there are times, though, where I, you know, this game week, actually, I started to feel pretty good about having him as my captain because he ended up being a bit of a differential. I think that, uh, you know, he's only captained by something like 15 percent of the league overall. Which is strange because, um, of course, if you go to the fantasy football scout captaincy poll, he's gets gets like 75 percent of the vote. Right, exactly. Week in and week out. Speaking of Tottenham, though, who ended up winning this match, uh, Dave from Burnley says, uh, a key question for me is why are Willian and, and Christian Eriksen uh, still on 10% ownership? It's a very good question. I, know, I, I, I think I know the answer to this question. Uh, they're, they're too inconsistent. You know, it's just not, I mean, Eriksen, uh, especially for longtime FPL players, I mean, Eriksen is just a, a classic on and off kind of kind of player, you know? Yeah, I, well, but Erickson is heavily favored here if you're having to choose between William and Erickson because Erickson is actually playing on a good team with a terrific midfield and a terrific attacking team. And, I mean, Owen O'Keefe, the league leader in the Hail Cheaters Super League, he got 10 points off Christian Erickson this week. He ends up with 69 points. That's a key differential for him. Absolutely, and three goals and three assists in the last five matches for Eriksson. Uh, definitely a player to to look at as a, as a possible differential. Um, I just don't think it's going to last because it never has with him. Um, I mean, even you know, even before this run of form, uh, his results were, or you know, his, his his game week points were three, two, one, three, three, five, two, three. He's always capable of going seven or eight matches without, without doing anything at all. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'll be I'll be curious to see how his confidence is after them winning this city game, and uh, he's left on for the full ninety, where Deli Ali gets subbed off. Um, I don't know. I would be I would be really happy to have Erickson in my squad right now. Eight point five million, though it's it's just a little too expensive. If he were, if he were William price level, <laughs> yeah, it'd be William's priced at seven million. Yeah, that that would make a. That make it a lot more palatable. I think, um, and Willian, you know, I, he hasn't actually done that much the last few weeks, and I think any result against Newcastle kind of has to be thrown out the window because they're so terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to make anything about that Chelsea Newcastle game for yeah. that exact reason. Other than that, Rob Elliott had a, <laughs> in my opinion, a disgraceful goalkeeping performance. I mean, that guy just he's got to come off his line more. I mean, I, I think that Chelsea could have scored maybe two two goals less. If he had, well, when if you're he channeled de- his inner, inner Manuel Neuer and, and come out to meet the ball a few times. When your defense in front of you gives up on every single attacking play, it doesn't really fill you with a whole lot of uh, desire to, to back them up and try to make the save. 
Yeah, it's true. It just makes me wonder whether that team is really going to... Maybe Newcastle will go down this year. I kind of didn't think it was possible, but after a match like that, it really forces you to reevaluate things a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. So how are we feeling about Harry Kane right now, though? Because he's a template forward. He got a goal on a penalty, but I feel like he was largely absent during this Manchester City game. Yeah, they, they marked him pretty well, I thought, in this match. I was surprised he didn't end up with any bonus points. I thought he might pick up a couple in this match. Yeah, but their next next match is home to Swansea, and uh, you know that might be a player I have to look at to captain, too. I mean, if I'm looking to pursue differential captain options, I think you know he's right up there. I mean, that's a, that's a great fixture for him. And uh, in the end, he's on penalties, and that's just such a... Such a saving grace for a striker. Yeah, and uh, he is a terrific penalty taker. So I'm never fearful that he's going to miss. Yeah, and so, you know, in the end, we're looking at a player who's scored and, you know, he scored in four of the last five matches, scored five goals in the last um, five matches. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's uh, a definite captain option uh, for this game week if you, if, you, if, you, if, you were, if you were reluctant to captain a Leicester player for whatever reason. I think more than Arsenal, and I feel like it's necessary to get three Spurs players at this point. I mean, you you could argue who's more who's favored to finish higher on the table, but Tottenham offers so much more week to week than Arsenal does. Yeah, Arsenal's always one mistake away from losing confidence and and sort of collapsing, um, or their FPL prospects collapsing. <laughs> but Spurs, they have the solid defense. They have the attack, attack-minded midfield. I feel like you've got to have three. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, yeah, Ali. I was I was actually sweating Deli Ali a little bit this week because I, I had him on my bench. Uh, I went for I, I did go. I, I mean, I tried to make a differential move this week. I did bring in Jesse Lingard, uh, and I started him over um, over Deli Ali. Did not work out. I was very nervous about how it was going to shake out. But yeah, just you know, did, didn't didn't pan out in the end. But Ali only ended up with two points, so it was kind of a kind of a wash. Yeah, definitely a wash. All right, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we've covered Manchester City Spurs for now. So, uh, Josh, let me take us to the, the next fixture, which is worth discussing for entirely different reasons than the last two fixtures we discussed. Liverpool, Aston Villa, um, the fact that there were any Villa fans left in the stadium after the 60th minute is is beyond me. It's a miracle. Like, <laughs> I, I, would, I would just be so incredibly disgusted by that Villa performance if I were a fan. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It was really uh, basically from the from the start of the match, from the first kick, it just was not it was not set up to be Villa's day. And this is a Villa team that you know is coming off a pretty inspiring two nothing home win of, uh, versus uh, Norwich. Um, you know, it felt like maybe they they finally turned the corner. The defense was looking a lot more solid. Yeah, uh, I was not expecting this result at all. Uh, I thought the Liverpool would win this match, but I thought maybe two one. You know, one one nothing. Uh, I did not expect a six one demolish. Yeah, demolish. and as we've we've discussed week in week out, I, f- I feel like about this Liverpool team is that they seem a, a little bit exhausted, a, a, a little disorganized. I think that they were just flattered and also so delighted when they found out that this was just going to be a training exercise for them. I think uh, I think around the ten minute mark, it became rather clear that they could just do whatever they wanted. Yeah, and from a fantasy perspective, basically every, everyone got a point. It was like a an assist. You get an assist, and you get an yeah. assist. You get a goal. <laughs> we all we all kind of got off um, a little light, I think, because I had dropped Jordan Henderson for Mares. It was, I mean, a little painful to see Mares get one and Henderson get an assist. But the fact that the ownership on Firmino is pretty high at this point in the season. The fact that Liverpool scores six goals and Firmino only gets one assist, we got off scot-free there. I totally agree. Uh, it really could have been worse. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, who out there still yeah. owns Nathaniel Klein? Who out there has even, even considered picking up Colo Torre? Yeah, a lot of people had Moreno for, Moreno for a while. Yeah, it was, it was a strange, just a, just a strange match overall. I, I don't know how much you can read into this match for long term. Uh, Padful on Twitter asks, for the rest of the season, which would you rather invest in? Volatile Liverpool or Chelsea trying to recover their honor? Well, based on the results of the last few weeks, Chelsea... Chelsea for sure for me, and I've I've already put my money on where my mouth is where that's concerned because I brought in Aspilicueta for Glenn Johnson this past week, 
And I, I do see clean sheets to come for Chelsea. I mean, that Andros Townsend goal really burned me. We, yeah. we, we haven't really talked about this Chelsea-Newcastle match too in depth, but Chelsea was just monkeying around with the ball so much, trying all these back heels in the midfield, giving away possession. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, I think I think you're right. I think I think the answer here would be the Chelsea the Chelsea defense and the Chelsea forward uh, in Diego Costa, and then the Liverpool midfield. I think that's I think I would I would invest in in some I, really it's I would invest in anyone in the Chelsea defense that you that you you know anyone that you, you can want afford. anyone you can afford. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that you, you want Firmino for your for your for your midfield of the of these two teams, and then you want Diego Costa as your striker out of these two teams. Well, here's a question: where the Liverpool midfield is concerned, because Sturridge was back. Now, who, who knows for how long? I mean, he could come back for a game, and then he can he can break both of his arms uh, getting out of bed or something like that. But if he is back for good, then Firmino owners have to be a little concerned about what Firmino's role is in that starting eleven. Yeah, you look, and- you, you look to the fact that Philip Coutinho is back and playing in that midfield. He's priced at eight point oh. Right. And- this is actually yeah. So Graham McDonald actually asked us this on Twitter. He said, uh, he said, uh, dis- disappointed Firmino didn't take more from Villa's capitulation. Uh, with Coutinho and Sturridge back, is the party over for him? Yeah, it, I guess time will time will tell, but I would be a little concerned. And if I had not already invested in Firmino, I would be looking at Coutinho first. Because we know, just historically, Coutinho is a vital part of that offense. And if he's healthy and starting in Liverpool matches, he could be more likely regardless of who's starting up front, be it Sturge, Benteke, Firmino. Yeah. Coutinho is so frustrating. He's He's got that Ericsson thing where... It's like you just like it's like you flip a coin, you know, and it's like, am I going to have him during the like the three weeks in a row where he gets double digits, or can I, am I going to have him during the like eight weeks in a row where nothing happens for him? And he, you know, and I, I've I've had Coutinho on and off the last couple of years. It's it's just it feels like such a complete crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it's all kind of moot for me though because there's no reason to be investing in Liverpool because they blank in game week 27, right. and then after that they have City, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Southampton, who Spurs. nobody can score on. Yeah. So I I would just let this question sit until at least game week 32, 33. Yeah, I I'm looking now at Liverpool. They have a great run in from 30 from game week 34 to 38. I bet they end up sneaking into which they probably didn't even want to do, but it might end up happening anyway. I think they end up sneaking in one of these Europa League spots cuz they end the season playing Bournemouth, Newcastle, Swansea. Really, they're they're going to be big deciders in the in the relegation matches. Uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Swansea, and then Watford and West Brom in the last uh, five matches. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. Final question, Brandon, is from Preethi Chibber. Uh, she asks... Uh, Hi, Preethi. More of, more of a request. Uh, always treating mini-leaguer, Preethi. Uh, says, please discuss Jurgen Klopp's gleeful and cute face. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think if I just mentioned her comment on here, that counts as discussing it, right? Well, I think his face is is uh, gleeful enough. Yeah, uh, I have real no comments on how cute his face is. Uh, <laughs> I think his overbite is is charming. I did feel good for Klopp. I, I know that he has inherited a brutal situation where Liverpool has played a match basically every three days yeah. since he since he started. Uh, they have this weekend off, uh, so they they have a six nothing win, and they get they get basically two weeks off to recover. Pretty much the best stretch of the season for him, I imagine, is the next like week or so where he can just see where he is, evaluate some of the young players. Uh, everyone's going to be a good mood because of the way they played their last match. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so well, I, I'm really curious to see how they play in the run in. I mean, they, we've seen you know. With some of their matches this year, you know, against Man City and, and others, where they, you know, and Aston Villa, uh, where you know they can really turn it on. It's like you get a glimmer of what they what, what what next season could look like if he, you know, sells a few players, brings in a couple that fit his style. I mean, I I'm really excited about Liverpool next year. For sure, yeah. I, I uh, just going back to his reaction to all the goals against Aston Villa. You think about his reaction when Liverpool went ahead against Norwich City a couple weeks ago and how he basically bum-rushed his entire team and broke his glasses. Yeah. Every time Liverpool scored against Villa, he didn't even get up out of his chair. He just cracked a smile, turned to his assistant coach, and just high f- and just gave him like a cool like low five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he just looks so cool and so chill. 
Yeah. So he's a man of many celebrations. All right, Josh. So I think we said all we can say about the the game week fixtures. Let's move on to some general Twitter, Facebook questions. All right, let's do it. Uh, Paul Nairn says, uh, who are your differentials for the next three weeks? I need to find a template beater. Okay, here's one. Template beater. Okay. Here's here's one for you. A Stoke midfielder or attacker? Um, Well, that's kind of out of left field, Josh. Well, uh, maybe just for the next two weeks. Uh, they play Aston Villa and Newcastle in game weeks 27 and 28. Okay, and, I like those uh, fixtures for them. Based <laughs> on the results from this weekend, absolutely. They have started to uh, turn around whatever happened uh, for a couple weeks there, uh, that, that strange Everton match. And, uh, you know, inspiring win, win on the road to, um, to, to Bournemouth. Um, yeah, and Shakiri back. Shakira's yep. got an assist, so he got the full ninety. Yep. He's looking good. And and that guy is super affordable. Six point four million with one point three percent ownership. Uh, I was amazed that Joe Salou uh scored a goal. Who well, even, yeah. <laughs> who are, who remembers Joe Salou? Uh not many people. I mean he he <laughs> did have a great run. Uh, game week 19 and then game week 21, he scored goals there as well. So we know he's capable of it. And <laughs> as far as bonus points are concerned, don't count, don't count on it. He's gotten one bonus point across the whole season. I'm curious. So Arnautovic didn't play uh, because of illness this weekend. I assume he'll be back uh, for this weekend. And, you know, I know he hasn't done much the last couple of game weeks, but if you're looking for a differential, I mean, it's a player that that, that has the potential to to really – to have some pretty explosive returns, uh, you know. So I don't know. I mean, we're talking about differentials here, not not sure things. So I think that yeah. Arnautovic is definitely one to uh, to consider. Yeah, and additionally, they don't have an FA Cup fixture, so they'll be very well rested coming back into game week twenty seven. How about Troy Deeney? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. So yeah. okay, so if you flash back a couple weeks ago when we were going into the Arsenal Bournemouth match, I was trying to work Alexis Sanchez into my team. And thankfully, I I didn't make it happen. But one of the one of the changes I would have made to my team to get him in was to be to get Troy Deeney in as a third striker. And God, you would have loved this game week. It would have been amazing. I would have I would have had to have suffered through last game week where he subbed in and got a point. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, I totally agree. He's the penalty taker. He's kind of siphoning a lot of points off of Agallo in the last month or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, I mean, it's kind of what we thought we'd see from Deeney this season, uh, just given that he scored 20-plus goals three seasons in a row in the championship, and um, didn't quite happen for him at the start of the season. But, yeah, I think um, I think between him and Agallo, the, for, the, you know, for the last 12 matches, it's kind of a toss-up who's going to score more goals. Yeah. Uh, just with, with Deeney and Pens, it's always, there's always a chance that he could... Uh, he could end up, you know, really emerging as the go-to striker on that team. Okay, here's a wild one for you, Josh. Jermaine Defoe. Wow, Sunderland. You know, Sunderland. They they're not great. They don't look good. They did end up beating Man United, so they've got some fight in them, mm-hmm. and they've shown that they're capable at least of scoring goals. And Defoe, the goals he scored this season, he's still like vintage striker. And their run coming up is West Ham, Crystal Palace. Southampton, Everton, Newcastle, West Brom. So uh, Southampton and Everton, certainly no gimmies, but uh, soft defense Everton can have time to time. It's not, it's not a bad point. I mean, he has, he scored uh, six goals in the, uh, in this calendar year. He scored a hat trick uh, way to Swansea. Not, you know, not, not so long ago, but a month ago. Um, so yeah, I like that one. I like that one. That's, that's a good differential. So that, that's, that's three for you right there. Okay. So, so Defoe, Dini and a Stoke midfielder. Yeah, like exactly. Okay, let's, let's great. go with, we'll, we'll go with Arnautovic and I'm going to assume that he's healthy enough to play this weekend. Uh, okay. So, uh, Siraj Garish asks, I can't believe I'm asking this, but are Wijnaldum or Townsend worth a punt owing to Newcastle's great fixtures after their double game week? Uh, or excuse me, after their blank game week. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I guess uh, I, I, I suppose it is, and uh, I Townsend, that, Townsend showed his pedigree this week. But God, that guy is such a selfish player, <laughs> and that Newcastle team is—I I would not bet money on that Newcastle team ever. I, I haven't like, bet money on them the last few years. He did mention Janja Shelby. I feel like Shelby is a player who might be more worth the punt than than Wijnaldum. 
just given, I don't know, you know, you, you watched that whole Newcastle uh, Chelsea match, right? I, I thought I, that I did, yeah. And everything sh- goes through Shelby. He starts every single play. Yeah, he hasn't actually done that much since he joined the team. I think he only has. He has so he has two assists so far since he's joined Newcastle, yeah. uh, which is which is not it's not so bad, but um, but you know they've had some pretty tough fixtures too. I mean they, they've played away to Everton, away to Chelsea, away to Watford. Uh, so you know with this, so the run coming up is uh, they play uh, Stoke, Bournemouth, Leicester, Sunderland, Norwich in the next five, starting in game week twenty eight. Yeah, I mean I think uh, I think it's an interesting differential option, uh, especially uh, starting in game week twenty nine where they have. Um, Bournemouth, Sunderland, and Norwich in three of the next four. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather invest in the Newcastle midfield than say somebody like Mitrovic uh, up front because I mean there are just so many better ways you can spend differential money with a striker. But yeah, to, I'd go, to I'd bring go in Dini over Mitrovic for sure. Yeah, but a fifth midfielder as Newcastle to rotate in as these really great fixtures come up, I can see how you can make that play. Yep, I, I think so too. Um, yeah, so because uh, again, you know, sort of the theme of this episode is, you know, if you're looking for differentials, if you've if you've been waiting, you know, if, if you've been holding with the template and you're ready to kind of hit the like hit the afterburners, like really go for it this year, I think I think starting game week 27, game week 28, that's that's when you've got to do it because otherwise you're just not giving yourself enough time to to catch up. Without a doubt, yeah. So we have questions. We we have two more questions. One was from Owen O'Keefe, and one was from Chris Morin. But they deal with uh, double game weeks and uh, the captaincy choice for next game week. And I think those should both wait until uh, next week's podcast. So Chris and Owen, we want to acknowledge and thank you for the questions, but we're going to save them for next week. They sound like perfect optimizer questions, and the optimizer will be back in next week's pod when we get ready for game week twenty-seven. Absolutely. So Brandon, that's it. We're done. That's it. Okay. Well, uh, any parting words? Uh, how about Hail Poku? Yeah, and Hail Cheaters. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash alwayscheating. And our email address is hailcheaters at gmail.com. Yep, and if you go to alwayscheating.com, you can find us, and you can join our mini-league there as well. There's actually a league code for that, too, on our Twitter page. And do like what Poku does. Subscribe on iTunes and write us a great review. <laughs> That's true. Thanks again, Poku, for your wonderful review of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, four stars. Of, it burned a little bit at first, but then we when I realized the it was Poku. <laughs> it made up for it a little bit. All right, Josh. Poku forever. Poku forever. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.